welcome to the Leadership Embraced Podcast, where you're encouraged to slow down, lean in, and listen. Our conversation today is with Jason Diaz. He's talking to us about a hot topic, podcasting. Let's join the conversation now. I'm just going to jump right into our conversation here. Tell me more, first of all, about your current podcast. Tell us more about it, where we can find you, and then we're going to have more conversations. Mm-hmm. I, I started a banking podcast back in 2010, March 5th, 2010. And it was so long ago that we didn't even call it a podcast. It was called Internet Radio. But what you ended up sending out was an MP3 file that people could listen to anytime they wanted, which is the literal definition of a podcast. And so that's it's been 11 years. We've done over 550 episodes. And the show is called The Power of Performance. If your brand were a band, speaking of music, would you leave the audience wanting more? And so it approaches the world of banking through the prism of music and performance. And so we've been doing it for 11 years, which is hard to believe. And, uh, and it's going very well. I think the pandemic certainly helped because people had a lot more time, but we do a fun, entertaining show about banking. It's not a webinar. It's not one of these mind-numbing, soul-crushing, hour-long webinars that people pretend that they attended. It's a, we have a lot of fun. There's a lot of humor. There's a lot of music. And uh, we have great guests. We have leaders in the banking marketplace every single week. And I think that's what's made it so successful. We've had over 400,000 downloads to the show in the course of the show, which isn't a lot, but I mean, it's limited to the banking marketplace. And it's just me in my spare bedroom. So it's not like um, Clear Channel Communications or iHeartRadio over here. And I've just been really surprised that, you know, for 11 years, every year, I think, gosh, this has got to be it, right? 10 would be a great (laughs) year to cut it off. It's all we did it for 10 years. There's no hiding that content. There's no hiding that accomplishment. I've seen so many people come and go trying their own uh, banking podcast. And so it's very gratifying to have been, I think the first, I'm pretty sure I was the first person with the banking podcast and, and to be doing so well 11 years in. You've said so many things already. I mean, it's <laughs> been maybe a minute. I have a lot of questions. Ask away. What to say? <laughs> but um, why I really wanted you on my podcast today is I get, it's because I get a lot of questions on how do you start a podcast? Ah, What are some steps you need to take? And the only leader in podcasting I could think about was you, Jason, because- I I, I paid Lorna $6 (laughs) to say that, by the way. (laughs) Hey, nowadays, maybe I can purchase ice cream with that. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know, (laughs) maybe. But I wanted to have that conversation with you because- you are a great person in podcasting. If you take the time to listen to his podcasts, every word he says creates a picture in your mind. And, and that's key. And I wanted just to have you on here so we can have the podcasting conversation. <laughs> I'll tell you, that actually grew out of one of the early trepidations I had about the format podcasting. I'd been a professional speaker for 12 years. Uh, I did over 500 banking conferences in every single state in the union except Delaware. I had spoken in Europe and Mexico and Canada and in all of those settings, however, grand, you know, the big hotel ballroom, or maybe more intimate, the breakout session and the, you know, the side room kind of thing, or in the employee training situation where maybe it's a smaller venue, you have the ability to visualize your audience. You can see them. 
you can see what's working and what isn't working. And you lose that immediately in a podcast. And so I wanted to make sure that the best way to get the best feedback from the guest was to ask good questions and to remember that people can't see me and they can't see what people are, are, are doing or saying. And so you do lose that element of it, the ability to see the audience. And so I think that's one of the reasons I focus so much on that. Yeah, you mentioned getting into podcasting in 2010. As me and you know, because we're in a pasking re- podcasting mm-hmm. realm now, it started back in 2004. Um, George W. Bush, I think in 2005, he was one of the first presidents to actually do a podcast. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was my governor growing. and president. I should have yeah. said that. <laughs> it just kept growing and growing from there. And now in 2020, things kind of changed because um, we had this thing called COVID. A I've heard about it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it increased listeners, people listening to podcasts to, I think, about 80 percent. The uh, I remember I, was, I will always remember 2019 is the year where everybody was doing a podcast. You could meet, you know, the guy that comes to try to sell you the gutters for your house or something, no matter how germane, no, no matter what it was, a person, you know, you're, oh, really? I'm doing a podcast about it. That's pretty cool. And so that, that was the year where it just seemed like everybody was doing one. And, and then of course, COVID-19, I think just supercharged it because people had time had time to, to do that. You know, you're in Clarksville. I'm in New Braunfels, Texas. I, I drove to Clarksville in 2019 and uh, I didn't listen to other people's podcasts. I wanted to listen back to some of the shows that we had done to see if we needed to shorten the show, maybe do some things differently. I mean, it's like, I'm in Arkansas, you know, the day just, zoop, you know, cause I was driving up. It, it's like, it just take, it just made the time seem irrelevant and even though you know you saw my office before the show a very musical show I'm a very musical person I don't listen to a lot of music in the car and so it was just a great way to just fill up that empty space on the long miles in between the next Starbucks you know Texarkana to Little Rock and and everywhere else it's and of course I was able to listen to it in my ears while my son was listening to what he wanted to listen to yeah. in the passenger seat. And, and I think that's the great, I, I've said the biggest change for me as a generation Xer in terms of entertainment is that in the first half of my life, it was one thing for everybody, ABC, CBS, PBS. And if you were lucky, you had cable. And then in the second half of my life, it was anything for anybody. Are you into gardening? There's a podcast for that. Are you into NASCAR? There's a podcast for that. Are you into politics? There's a zillion podcasts for that. And I think in 2019 and 2020, it, it just, it's just mainstreamed it into a, which is good because there are now two generations that don't listen to AMFM radio, don't read the newspaper, don't read printed periodicals, and uh, don't listen to music the way you and I did when we were growing up on the radio. And so I think it's, uh, I think it's really interesting to have been part of that transformation, but I had no idea that President Bush uh, had had a podcast that yeah, is news to me. Yes. He would give his, um, his weekly, you know, when he would talk to America on a weekly basis, he would use hmm. a podcast platform to do so. Yeah. Very cool. Isn't that cool? That so you, cool. hey, you're part of history, Jason. I guess so, yeah, but I should have known that. I live in Texas. <laughs> And I want to tell you one of the main reasons I even started a podcast in 2021 
this year, it's because of you. You encouraged me. You said, oh, I'm glad. I think you have more to say. I think you should start a podcast. And I was like, a podcast? Why me? And the more I started listening to podcasts, the more I found that there was something missing. And that's mm. talking about those who are emerging in leadership, those who are not at the top, not at the bottom, but they're middle management in need of uh. some more leadership information as they continue to grow. Mm. So um, why did you start your podcast? It was really because, you know, during the early, late 2000s, I could tell my speaking career was winding down for a couple of reasons. Obviously, the economy was changing. The uh, $3,500 and $5,000 an hour gigs didn't slowly go away. They stopped. They just didn't exist anymore. And you know, I wanted to find a way to stay connected to the banking marketplace, but I, it wasn't happening through those in-person events. And the second part of that was I was a little... It, it sounds very glamorous to fly every week. It is not. It, it actually is very, especially post September 11, it's very cumbersome. It's very tiresome. And of course, you're at the, the mercy of the airlines and the hotels and the rental cars that aren't there. And, and it is all of that stuff. You don't eat as well when you're on the road. And I have a family. I enjoy being at home. I, I, I like where I live in New Braunfels. So that was another part of it. And so that was really um, how it started. I was, I was still speaking professionally a few events a year, but I was doing more of a performance. I had add two, I had added two live musicians to my keynote experience. So you came in there expecting to get the death by PowerPoint and you would get this full on musical and spoken performance. And the guitarist called me one day and said, hey, have you ever heard of blog talk radio? I said, no. And he goes, they say you can have your own internet radio show in less than 30 minutes. And I looked at my, my watch. It was like 10 after 11. And I said, let's do it at lunch. And that's how we did our, that was March 5th, 2010. And that's how we did our first episode. And it was really out of necessity. I was beginning to kind of lose contact with the banking marketplace. And I wanted to find a way to stay engaged there because I knew that was still a lucrative business in a marketplace and that recessions don't last forever. And one of our early guests, it was a banking president from Connecticut. After the show was over, I called him to thank him for being on the show. And he asked me, he goes, you know, Jason, we're converting our credit and debit cards from Visa to MasterCard. Could we do a podcast to send out to all of our you know, customers and members? I said, yeah, of course. And he goes, how much would you charge for that? I said, I've never charged anybody. It doesn't cost anything to listen to the show. I said, I've never thought about it. And he said, would you do it for, you know, 250 an episode? And I jokingly said, three bucks. That's a little, no, I said 250. Yes, absolutely. So two of them, 500 bucks. Wow. Olive Garden night, right? And, and that's what started the ability to make money from it. And now I was calling all of my banking clients. Hey, would you like to do a podcast for first time home buyers? Or, and then every guest that appeared on the show became a potential prospect because we have C-level employees, banking professionals, presidents, and vice presidents on the show as guests. And as soon as the show was over and, and it went well, hey, would you ever thought about doing a podcast for your, you know, ABC bank, you know, the best bank in town. And here's our information about first-time home buyers or home equity loans or investments or just interview employees. And it just, it wedded so well with the social media vibe. And that's the first thing I would do when a, a bank would agree to be on the show. I go check out their social media. Yeah, you don't, you're not really saying anything. You're just posting things. People know you're closed on the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's how it started, but it would not have lasted had I not been able to find a way to monetize it. Mm -hmm. Time is money. And I could not have spent 11 
years doing this and not have something to show for it because I'd be doing this from some Section 8 apartment down in San Antonio, Texas. So let me ask you a question as you're talking about monetizing because that's the main area mm. most people focus on when they start a podcast. You know, just like most people, they think, hey, the millionaire became a millionaire overnight. No, it took them some time. Some people may become millionaires overnight, but how did you get to the point with understanding ways to monetize your podcast? And how did you get to the point when you started asking people, okay, you want to be on my podcast or you want to be involved in a podcast? This is how much I charge per hour. Right. Well, I obviously never charge anybody to be on my show. You, my show, that's, that's our tagline, you know, conference quality information without the expense report. You can get this great information at no cost to you. But when, when these banking professionals saw how easy it was to share that show with their fellow employees or other people in their social networks, it wasn't such a stretch to go to them and say, well, if there's a product or service that you're, you're doing, you could do this. I, I also talked about internal training. You know, hey, you can have, uh, this could be an internal podcast for your employees. Very early on, I landed a gig with a big banking brand in Florida. And every week we did you know, meet so-and-so, meet Lorneth from the, you know, treasury management department. Did you know she has a black belt in karate? This kind of stuff. And it was great. And, you know, I had a very good gig with them for a long time. And so um, I know a lot of people when they start, their podcast isn't what I call a branded podcast. Those, that's when I sell my podcasting services to a brand. But most people start because they're interested in something. And if you do acquire an audience, the, there are a lot of ways to monetize the podcast. Blog Talk Radio offers a thing where if people are listening to your show and they click on, you know, the Tetley T ad or whatever, or, you know, you get two cents. And, you know, I've never done it because I just never thought it would make me any money, but I ran the numbers one time, like $17 or whatever. I was like, well, that's like half of what it costs me to pay these guys $39 a month to have this channel. But um, I will tell you candidly, that's the last reason I would tell someone to do a podcast is, is the expectation to make money because we're usually more passionate about things that aren't making us money at the current time. You're right. You're right. You're right. Great. All right. So we talked about 2010 and beyond. We spent a lot of time talking about, hey, in 2010, you started a podcast, but let's go way back. Let's go oh. back to where you were born. I know you spent some time in the military. I would love I to know about that. So let's start more. Um, let's start by talking about where you were born. Uh, I was born in Austin, Texas. I was born in Austin, Texas in 1967, uh, a ward of the state. Um, I was uh, born to two very inexperienced, uh, irresponsible high school seniors in Austin, Texas, and placed for adoption in Travis County, and was adopted by my wonderful uh, mom and dad, who are from Massachusetts and were serving in the Air Force here in Texas. They had already adopted my brother, Chris, and then they adopted myself, and they adopted my sister, Elizabeth, because my parents, my mom was told she was not able to have children. And so they were adopting what was available in South Texas, all these little brown babies and it's instant family, you know, hundred dollars and a handshake, go see the judge. There you go. You got three children now. And then of course, uh, on Christmas day in 1974, my mom had a baby, my baby sister, Rachel, and we grew up in Bear County down near San Antonio, Texas, almost on a direct midpoint between joint base Fort Sam Houston with the army and Randolph Air Force Base. And they're both still there, both very, very active military installations. And so I grew up in a very, very lovely neighborhood 
when I was speaking professionally, sometimes people would come up to me, oh, you speak English so well. And I'm thinking, oh, what country do you think this is? You know, <laughs> what, what other language was I going to speak? I mean, they meant no harm by it, you understand. Or, well, you've come so far. You've come so far. I'm sure your parents are, and I'm like, well, my parents are still doing probably better than I am. I, you know, I did not grow up in reduced circumstances. We lived in a wonderful home. It was an upper middle class neighborhood down near San Antonio, Texas, in between the bright lights of San Antonio and the far and lit unknown of the county. And it was just ideal. And, uh, you know, growing up in that military culture, the inertia of my life was always leading me to the military. I certainly did not have the grades for any of the military academies. I was a terrible high school student. I know you're an educator. If I showed you my high school transcripts, you would wonder how I ever got out of high school. And so I joined the army uh, in 1986. And I spent three years at Fort Ord, California with the 7th Infantry Division, which I refer to as my alma mater, the way some people like you would refer to Austin P or your college. That is my alma mater. That's my heart. That's my soul. And then I went to college at the University of Texas at San Antonio, and during my college studies was called out of college to go back into the active duty military to serve in Operation Desert Storm. And I did a podcast about Desert Storm last year, uh, 30 years since the war. It was called Thunder and Lightning Operation Desert Storm, a limited run series. And then I got into training and banking and on a just by luck, I was asked to go up and do this presentation on technology in 2002 for EDS, the company I was working for. And when I finished, the person that was in charge of the meeting was like, you've got to do this full time. And I was like, do what full time? You know, come to conferences and speak. I said, I didn't know that was a thing. I said, I've got a full time job. And uh, yeah, but this is this is where you this is what you should be doing. And little by little, this is before social media. This is 2002. So there's no social media. I don't have a website. And I just started doing these spoken events. And by the classic word of mouth, it was to the point where every single day someone was calling, hey, can you come to this meeting? Can you come to this meeting? We're having an all employee meeting. And I ended up leaving my job at EDS, which was a very good job with benefits and the 401k and everything to go out on the road speaking professionally. And that's what I did for 12 years. And that what kind of what I think about that. I got to take my family. A lot of the times we visited a lot of places that we would not have gone otherwise and discovered some places that we wouldn't have discovered otherwise. And I will always look at those as what the Greeks referred to as the halcyon days, the, the days that preceded my son getting into school and just being able to roam around the country with my family and my work commitment was an hour long or 90 minutes at this beautiful resort and the rest of the time was ours it was really it was really quite a wonderful wonderful life and that's what led me into the podcasting and that's what I've been doing really for the past I've been working almost exclusively in the podcasting and branded podcasting format for the past five or six years I do very few spoken events in person anymore and of course none during COVID-19 yeah yeah. another question for you you talked about being in the military How do you think the military equipped you to Mm. be a great podcaster? That's a great question. And I thought about it when I got your talking points last night. I joined the military at a time of incredible transformation. And we were we were making we were turning the corner after Vietnam and the military was getting all of this great equipment. And one of the last things I did in the active duty armies, I went down to a place called Fort Hunter Liggett near the Hearst Mansion in Central California to provide security for this bunch of civilians. And they were working on something that we didn't understand, had never heard of, but it was it was GPS. It was the ability to know exactly where you are 
on the earth. And, you know, we're infantry soldiers relying on paper maps and compasses and, you know, lensatic compasses and azimuths and things. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, how does it know? You know, we're shooting an azimuth at the Hearst Castle. And I'm like, okay, where's this wise guy? And he puts the other thing and he tells us, you know, latitude, longitude. And we check it. It's like, holy cow, he's spot. This is going to change everything. You know, this is going to be, I was thinking about it from a military perspective, the ability to get exactly where you need to be. You have the best infantry platoon, but you can't do what you need to do if you don't get where you need to go. And that really fired my imagination about how fast things were changing. My dad had been in mainframe computers since the IBM mainframe days of the late 1960s. And so I think I was always willing to try stuff that was new because I'd experienced that in the army. Everything was new. The Huey became the Blackhawk. The Jeep became the Humvee. You know, steel became Kevlar. And it, it just always made me think that if you're able to take this technology and apply it in a beneficial way, rather than just talking about it, that's going to equip you. And I think that's one of the reasons, the only two things I've really been ahead of the curve on are TiVo and podcasting. <laughs> Everything else, I've sort of gone with the flow of everybody else. Let's talk about podcasting equipment, because I'm thinking of oh. the listening to us. They're leaders in their own right. They're growing leaders, and they're looking for other ways to increase their brand, to um, gain more practice as it pertains to speaking with people. And they just want to know, OK, if I do decide to start a podcast, I don't have much money or, don't, or don't I don't want to put much money into it. Don't need a lot of money. So yeah, that's the beautiful thing. You don't need a lot of money. Uh, you can't see it in the frame, but I've used this blue snowball microphone since the first podcast. Uh, it, in terms of investments, it is the best $99 I ever spent, given what I've charged in fees using this microphone. But perfectly honest to get started, all, if you have a late model iPhone or Android phone, those all have voice notes on them. I know in the context of the iPhone, if, if you speak into that notes, because sometimes I would use my phone as a backup in case anything happened to the microphone. And when that happened, you couldn't even tell the difference. The microphones and these phones are plenty sophisticated that you can do that. But if you but if you don't if you do start to get into it and have success and find that you're enjoying it, I do recommend that if you're going to spend any money at all for 30 or 40 dollars, you can get a nice microphone, not one of those little USB mics with the, you know, the cheapy kind. And I think it helps you feel more locked in because you're speaking into that microphone rather than just recording a note on the phone. But in reality, you don't have to spend a lot of money uh, on a podcast. Uh, like I said, I only spend $39 a month to have my channel hosted on Block Talk Radio. I know there are places that are cheaper than that. Yes, people are going to hear ads at the beginning or at the end, but I think we've all become accustomed to that now. And if you mail out like in an email thread, just the MP3 file, uh, you're not going to hear an ad. It's that's you know probably the cleanest way to do it. But you know a lot of places in the professional world block those kind of attachments. And so I've relied on the link. You click on the link and it plays up the Block Talk Radio channels. And um, and I've been fortunate. The other thing I got in early adopter on was the Amazon Echo. And so my show can be heard by asking her to play it, and that's pretty cool. But for in terms of getting started, don't spend a lot of money your phone, get a nice microphone, your computer, a garage band on a Mac is perfect for podcasting. I don't know. I'm sure Windows has something that is an equivalent to that. And, you know, I'll tell you, I got into pod, the, this type of podcasting kind of by accident 
because I used to do a live show. The banking show was a live show uh, for almost seven years. And uh, I was doing a Christian podcast called the Christcast 2020. And the local owner of the Chick-fil-A called me and said, hey, would you like to interview the president of Chick-fil-A, the president, Dan Cathy, the head honcho? I said, absolutely. And because I didn't want to risk a live show and we were doing it in person, we just pre-recorded it. And I thought, wow, why am I not doing this every week? This is headache free. There's no internet connection to worry about. Uh, and so it was kind of by accident that I discovered the podcast format of pre-recording. And of course, it gives you the ability to edit out all of your mistakes and things Love like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was know, the, the thing about as I listen to your story about interviewing the president of Chick-fil-A, it's so important for us to understand when when adversity arises, there's a reason for it. And out of adversity, we learn new things, you know, a lot of new things. Yeah. And if I can say something real quick and, and, and you know, my advice would be, you know, I spend a lot of money, do the podcast that you wish somebody else had done, the one that you want to listen to, the thing that you're passionate about. And most of all, this is the perfect time for it. I, I watch some people out there on social media. They post these long, you know, 500 word posts, and it has more hashtags than than likes or hits or whatever. And it's just something it started to look very, very eight track tape, as I call it, or cassette tape. And it's, I think most people that are emerging that want to be recognized as the next generation of leaders are going to have to use their voice, their ideas, their passion, not hashtags, not clever graphics, not some leadership affirmation that we've all read 16 million times. Um, as I've told people, there is a phone call you need to make. There is someone you need to speak to that's going to change the trajectory of your life right now. You're not going to find it because you came up with the most clever hashtag. It is old fashioned. If you want to be a leader, you have to lead with your voice and your thoughts and your opinions and, and have to be willing to, to know that not everyone's going to agree with you. And that's the other thing. Podcasting has provided me. It's my show. I don't have to ask people if it's okay to say this. And I've never used any profanity on my show. That's another big thing with me. Um, not even the D or the H word. Uh, it's a professional conversation that I think I'm having with people. And so, but that's what I would tell people. It's like, you know, do the one, do the podcast you've always wanted someone to do. It doesn't take a lot of money to get started, but the spoken word and people that can do it well is such a rare quality amongst professional people that when you can do it well, you will separate yourselves from the other mid-level people and it will put you on a, a trajectory into the management or the leadership position you want. And I think the podcast gives that kind of person that ability. Great. Um, another question we touched, uh, you, you were touching on the importance of marketing and branding, doing it the old fashioned way, which is actually picking up the phone, emailing individuals, Absolutely. connecting one-on-one. -on -one. How do you utilize social media for that? As I, I, marketing and branding with, with, with very, very limited success, if I'm being perfectly <laughs> honest about it, um, had some issues with LinkedIn this year that were very disappointing. I, I, I used to think we lived in a free country. I'm not so sure anymore, but um, it is mostly because people know I've been doing it for 11 years. They know at, you know, 11 o'clock central standard time or noon on the East coast, that show is going to be on. Um, I quit Twitter. 
last year. I don't use uh, Facebook for anything other than just family photos and, and stuff like that. Um, I, I rely on LinkedIn and my guests sharing the link with people. That's how, that's how it grows. I'm probably the last person to ask about when it comes to social media advice, because I, I don't know that I do a great job with it. But you know what? You brought up a great point. You focus on just one LinkedIn, mm. mostly. You tried Twitter. We had a conversation about, about Twitter. Twitter is for a specific type of person. If you fit into, yeah. uh, if you have a specific mindset, it's just Twitter. I think, it, I think Twitter is going to, if it does evolve, I think it's devolved since it started because so much of it is fake. There's, there's so much of the Twitter energy out there that is just robotic. It's not organic. But I mean, if you're LeBron James or you're Mark Cuban or you're somebody that has something to say, that, well, that's a great way to do it because everyone's going to report it. Uh, but I found that I wasn't getting anything but frustrated on Twitter. And, and I just realized it was time to go because I suffer from the curse of saying what other people are thinking. And that is a blessing and a curse. And in the, in the politically charged climate, which we all live in and do business in, I, my, my name is my brand. And I don't always have the flexibility to, to say what I'm thinking because I don't want to offend half of my audience, which you quickly do when you start getting into too much political stuff. So yes. I've, been, I've, been, I've been cognizant of that. That's great. I would suggest focusing on two social media platforms. I would too. I would too. And you can't post links on Instagram. And I'm just honestly too lazy to start over with Facebook from a business standpoint. To me, my two social media channels are LinkedIn and the show itself, which I consider podcasting on a blog talk radio platform to be a social media channel because you and I are being social right now. You know, if, if we were doing, when we had the podcast together, Wednesday Wisdom with Dr. Lorna Peters, I provide the Wednesday, you provide the wisdom. It was, to me, that was social because it's the word itself. We're talking about people and things. So we had a great time on that podcast. I love that. And it, and it was so it, for the time that it was in during a time where things were pretty shut down. It was nice to have that commitment every week. And so, yeah, absolutely. How do you come up with your different topics for your podcast? I know it's focused around banking, but in general, that, you have different topics yeah. that you, you find a way to be creative in, in your podcasting space. The, um, the social you- media, as much as I don't use it, is probably the number one thing that I get my ideas from. I'll see somebody's been promoted or I'll see somebody celebrating. Uh, there was a, a show where somebody was celebrating 30 years at a particular bank. And I thought that that is everything. That is ATM machine. That is checking account. That is check carbons. That's internet banking. That's social media. That's mobile apps. Seen the whole gamut. And so I was very interested to talk to that person. Um, the show, The Power Performance, is really about performance, music, applying it to banking. And so that makes it easy to add some elements of humor and, you know, my just tastes in music and my likes in music and things like that. But it is almost all driven by current history. You know, my first spoken session, that's the first thing I said, history is change with it or get changed by it. And I just remember everybody just sort of leaned forward, like, wait a minute, that's different. And so it really is, I don't, I don't have a schedule. I don't have a schedule. I don't sit down and say on January, we're going to do this. Now there are certain things. Veterans Day, we do a Veterans Day show every year. We interview veterans. We've had great, great veterans on the show before. Uh, We've interviewed musicians. We've interviewed dramatic actors. And then I take that and draw the analogy to banking. But in terms of coming up with topics, that probably is all LinkedIn all the time. 
So my last question for you is, why do you think podcasting is the mm. next wave of entertainment? Because you can do so many other things while you're listening to one. You, I know people do this, but you shouldn't drive down the highway watching a show on your phone. It's not the safest behavior, right? But a podcast can be there. It's one of those more, I think, more passive entertainment mediums. You can listen to it while you're still working or emailing or checking things. You can listen to it in the car. You can listen to it while you're mowing the yard, working out, whatever the case may be. And it captures that intimacy that I think has kept radio relevant for so long. You can share your thoughts. I mean, what fascinated me is when we did that first show back on March 5th, 2010, is when it, when it hit me that people could listen to that show anywhere in the world on any device that was connected to the internet. And I'm sitting in my spare 10 by 10 bedroom in New Braunfels, Texas, a town that a lot of people have never heard of. That's when I knew, okay, this is got real possibilities. And we interviewed somebody on the island of Cyprus once, and you couldn't tell. It's like she was sitting in the studio with this. I've interviewed people in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Bangladesh. I mean, you, it, you can't believe it. And it just, it, 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 I knew at that moment that this was something that if it was applied correctly, obviously you have to make a living, but it was also going to be very interesting. And whether you're listening to podcasts or hosting them, I, I do think it's going to be one of the just standards in entertainment um, I'd call it entertainment or information, or there's so many applications for it. Uh, the communicative medium that's going to be with us for a long time. COVID-19 compressed 10 years of inevitable changes into one. And I think podcasts would be here in 2031 as they are in 2021. What a great way to end, Jason. We can continue. We can go on and on and on. Could, but I but... <laughs> want to thank you for joining us today, Jason. You have it was been my pleasure. great. Um, I will make sure I provide information to your podcast oh, thank in you. the notes area so anyone can reach out and find out more about you and listen to your podcast. Yeah, but I the, easiest thank way, you. the easiest way is if you have one of the Amazon devices, just say Alexa, play the Power Performance Podcast on TuneIn and it'll play. Wow. That's a special thing, Jason. <laughs> That's special. But thank you so much for being on Leadership Embrace with us today. If you're interested in podcasting, take some time, listen to this podcast again and again, because as Jason said, as you grow in your leadership role, being a podcaster will need to be included somewhere in that journey. So thank you for being with us today. Talk to you soon. What a great conversation we had today with Jason Diaz as he talked to us about ways we can develop a podcast, host a podcast, also develop our leadership skills as it pertains to speaking and social networking. It was a great, great, great conversation. I would love to stay connected with you in the Leadership Embraced community. Feel free to find me on LinkedIn, find me on Instagram, and find me where all podcasts can be heard. Until next time, remember to embrace the leader within. Mm -hmm.